Welcome to The Rest of Us. My name is Noah Hutton, and I'm your host. Each week, I'll have a new entrepreneur on to talk about their story, their struggles, and their lessons learned. This week, my guest is Luke Menard. Luke has a really interesting background, um, the way he started his business. He also is going to tell a really cool story about how he met a uh, a musician and an artist that I have also listened to, and I know a lot of you probably have, and how he got to go on tour with that artist. So I'm really excited for you to hear that story and many more. So without further ado, here is my interview with Luke Menard. All right, Luke Menard, welcome to the Rest of Us podcast. Thank you for having me. Great. So um, I met Luke... Who did I meet you through? Matt Byrne, maybe? I think, I think it that, was that, Matt. Yeah. yeah. I've done so many of these in connection with people that I kind of forget who I meet through who. So I think it was Matt Byrne, who's going to be a future episode in this podcast. Oh, um, sweet. But yeah, so Matt connected us um, and I kind of checked your your page out and you've done some really cool work, um, especially with a certain musical artist, which we'll get into later, which I'm really excited to mm-hmm. share that story. Um, but before we start, just kind of introduce yourself, talk about what you do um, and what your business is. Yeah, so I'm Luke, and I really am just kind of like a freelance filmmaker growing all up in in life. And I've always kind of chased after just creating videos, fun videos with friends, and like trying to transition that into a business once I got into college, basically. But I've always done like either wedding videos or some type of like commercial type video. And now I'm kind of running a lukewarm film co. And doing that full time, we're kind of more focused on businesses and like creating like videos and branding that help like promote their business, basically. Yeah, for sure. So I I love your work that you've done. I watched a couple of the videos Thank and they're you. amazing. So, um, but let's just kind of get started in your story. Um, it's I think it started like a lot of us uh, starts with kind of picking up a camera as a kid and making you know dumb little YouTube videos and stuff. So <laughs> kind of start there and see uh, just kind of talk about your your story growing up. Yeah. So like growing up, I was like playing with the camcorder. Like I feel like many like YouTube people do. And like, I would just make funny videos with my brother. A lot of the time he would be like the one starring in them. I would like drag him out into the cold weather and like film these like fun videos. We'd do like trick shot videos, like basically just copying off of what we saw on YouTube at that time. And then like it bled into me going into high school really was when I jumped into like the announcements class and we started like creating media every day for like to show in the classrooms. We were creating like trailers for stuff at the end of our like announcements that we'd put. And so like just diving into every like sector of that type of stuff in like high school is really when it like took off and I was like jumping into more of uh like wedding videos too and like seeing it actually come through as like a pathway that i could take in a career when i was like oh it might not just be a hobby like this could actually be what i start to like do in the future yeah definitely i think that's that's a very very common story for a lot of people but um so you did that in high school you're kind of creating videos for the announcements class Mm -hmm. um and then transitioning into school so we both went to purdue um you yeah. started in the film program i ended up in the film program but um kind of talk about crossing paths <laughs> yeah basically yeah i'm surprised what year did you graduate uh 2019 2019 okay so i would have been we might have had a class together maybe i don't know but we would have been like 
I was starting out and you were finishing up basically. So yeah, um, you might have been taking like the directing class or whatever. Or actually, no, because you didn't. You didn't. Yeah, so I didn't finish off. So we would have. We probably wouldn't even have crossed paths then because we we each hopped over into the other major or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I I started in film and probably added marketing as you were graduating. Yeah, like we basically just missed each other. That is true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just kind of talk about going into college, what the video side of that looked like and kind of growing from there. Yeah. I didn't really pay attention to college too much when I was like in high school. I was more of just like, honestly, living in the moment and just like, oh, we'll see what happens next. And while everybody was worrying about like college, I was just like, oh, I guess I'll just pick Purdue. Like I lived in Lafayette and it was close to home. And I knew they had a film and video program. So I was just like, I guess I'll do that. Like, I like, I like video and making video. And then I like started in college. And I remember like the first day I like went into a class that was just called the movies. And we watched a movie and it was just like B-roll of just different shots of just two three hours of just B-roll. And I was sitting there like, what is going on? And that kind of continued to the next like, couple semesters of me just watching movies and like I wasn't really getting too much in the production side and probably should have just like gone into a communications major or something like that but I kind of saw that and I was like I don't really want to continue in this major but I still 100% want to continue doing video so then that's when I decided to uh, kind of switch into marketing and like business management and then still continue to learn on the side like constantly new video techniques and that stuff but really making like my film degree into like a youtube university type vibe instead of like actually through a degree and like putting maybe more effort into like just using my marketing side and like knew that would help me out in the future basically definitely well i think you know at purdue especially during that time i think it's gotten a lot better the program at purdue oh absolutely but in in the first couple of years, you know, 2018, 2019, right before the pandemic, the the head of the program, he's very much a Hollywood guy. And yeah. he's a hundred percent like you're doing, you know, learning about blocking and shot types and how like uh, Hitch, Hitch, or Alfred Hitchcock did this or yeah. you know, all these like really famous directors. So and he's not a big fan of YouTube and YouTubers and YouTube filmmaking. So um, if you're not going to go into like creating short films or creating, you know, even like commercials or doing like live mm. productions or anything like that, like it's it's kind of a hard program to like get your chops in if you're not wanting to go to Hollywood. So, yeah. uh, but it sounds like you kind of did, you just kind of went in your own direction, which I think a lot of people do is they find what they like. And it's not necessarily through the film program at Purdue. Um, but it has gotten a lot better. I know they've gotten a lot of new gear and new professors and stuff like that. But in the beginning, it's way yeah. more Hollywood focused. And they're probably they're definitely adapting now as they just see kind of the the world of filmmaking change with like being able to kind of do everything by yourself nowadays. Yeah. But that's what I was seeing. It was like you were going into this program, which is totally fine if like a lot of people there wanted to do actual movies and like that was kind of their goal. But I would just listen to interviews with like directors or cinematographers and how much of a struggle it was to even get to that point in movies where you're making the movies you want to make. And I was like, if I'm going to take that much struggle to get there and I'm also not really enjoying what I am now, like I was like, I would rather just kind of 
throw myself into it, do it myself, and like hopefully make a name for myself where then I could possibly maybe make a movie in the future. Not that that's like a goal for me now, but like mm -hmm. I was like, I would rather take that path than stick in um, kind of this direct movies. And it was also my knowledge of like, I, I wasn't paying attention to what majors were even out there. I was just yeah. kind of in my own world. So like, there's definitely majors out there and like, or like communications that was more production heavy that like would have been more geared to what I was like wanting to do, but watching yeah, the movies, definitely. but it is also is fun. Like having that Hollywood stuff. And I learned a lot of good things just being in that film program for that like year or so they're like yeah. learning different blocking and different like lighting techniques that like I still use today when I'm mm -hmm. like going out on shoots but it's just kind of like if your focus is all on that it gets kind of you got to be dedicated to it yeah definitely I think and we did the same thing where like we were we may have enjoyed the production a little bit and like I personally I loved watching all the foreign films and the movies and stuff like that oh, yeah. but like mm -hmm. I knew I knew that I wanted to do more of that like business to business YouTube marketing kind of thing. And so we both jumped into marketing because, you know, that's maybe what's going to get us a better return on our degree. Whereas mm -hmm. the film degree is like, especially with the like in 2019 with that focus on Hollywood, it's like, you're going to have to be a starving artist for a little bit if you want to go like make movies out in LA or Atlanta or wherever. So, um, but yeah, we kind of jumped the same way. So, um, you you're in college now what type of work were you doing outside of you know classes and stuff like were you having did you have any clients at the time like what type of work was that yeah I, it was majority like i would say probably 80 percent of wedding films that i was doing so i was just basically dedicating all of that time outside of school giving up kind of weekends of just doing as many weddings as i could and like just building up i was kind of using that mainly as um a way to build up my gear also but also it was a great learning experience for like running gun filmmaking that i was learning through weddings and like their fast-paced days things change on the fly you got to be able to adapt to the situation and kind of know how to create a story in the end and that's like what i'm still using uh to this day when i'm like in a shoot for a company and then they have to start changing things because their clients are on, on a certain schedule and then i'm having to adapt quickly i'm like i'm glad i went through kind of the ringer on all those wedding videos back in the day but majority of that time was spent like just filming weddings and that was my only job at that time and then like another like 20 percent, i would have a few clients that i would do uh commercial work for or kind of business uh promoting videos that i would do every now and then for them yeah definitely i think you know you can you can watch all the movies you want. You can watch all the YouTube videos you want, but you really have to get out there, pick up a camera and go work on a client project to really learn like how to do things. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a free project or a, a $200 project, or, you know, maybe you get a bigger client, you're not going to learn anything just by sitting at your desk, watching videos until yeah. you actually pick up the camera and set up your gear and learn that. Um, so that real world experience is so important to yeah. uh, learning in the, in the film kind of, Industry. Yeah, you got to You got to get your hands dirty for sure. And like actually get in the production. And that's the thing now is like once I've kind of learned more through these years, now I'm like, well, I would kind of like to watch some old movies now and see techniques now. Now that I like have a good solid base of production side and things like that. I'm like, maybe I would like like that sounds kind of nice now. Yeah. And I, I kind of find myself when I'm like watching these movies or like, watch, like listening to podcasts. Cause I'm doing a podcast now like 
I I never really like go into a movie and say like, okay, I just watched Top Gun. I want to recreate that scene from Top Gun or recreate that style of shot from Top Gun. I always just kind of find myself in a project doing a shot or doing a scene or something. And I'm like, oh, I kind of imitated that style or imitated that, you know, Steven Mm -hmm. Soderbergh style or whatever it was. Like I never, I just kind of consume all of this uh, podcasting and the shots and the movies and videos and all this kind of stuff. And then it's all kind of up here, like kind of not muscle memory, but like it's just in there. And yeah. then you do it. And then like later on, you can you either watch back or you listen back and you're like, oh, that shot looks really familiar. Or yeah. that, like the way I said that sounds really familiar. And you might like figure out like, oh, that was from that movie that I really like. Or that was from that podcast. That host says it this way. Yeah. Um, did you have kind of some of that like when you were uh, like kind of learning as you were creating? Yeah, I would always have like watching a lot of stuff. And I try to like continue now to watch a lot of stuff because having that like, like you said, like that catalog in your brain that you can pull from constantly is like huge. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're like creating something and like, we're all kind of like, in a way copying off each other. And like, just to feel like creative and get new creative ideas, you have to kind of like pull from different aspects of like, people's work that you've seen. And so like, a lot of the time I was I was pulling from a lot of that um, style of works and like watching a lot of TV shows and movies. And like, I, in my normal life, I would pull like quotes and stuff from TV shows and stuff constantly. So like, of course I would do that in my like video work also. Yeah. And like pulling from Definitely. a lot of different like inspirations of like stranger things or like those type of creative endeavors that like, I thought were very creative and like unique um, to like yeah. a specific moment that people are doing for sure. like crazy good things. Yeah, definitely. Who were, who are the, some of the, like either you said like stranger things is one of them, but who are some of the like either creators or directors or like pieces of inspiration you pull from, or you find yourself pulling from more often than not? Yeah. I would say from like the story aspect in college, especially, I was I was looking at like Casey Neistat and his style of work because um, his like cinematography isn't like his his focus isn't on like cinematography per se. It's focused on like creating a good story and like telling that in the best way possible. And so like his like just jump on how to tell a story was like changed my world of like oh I don't have to do it a certain way. Um, when I'm yeah. like working on different types of stuff. So he was probably a major influence um, just on like running gun filmmaking and like even in like wedding filmmaking when I was like creating a, a wedding video story, I was like using aspects that he's like, I was seeing in his videos and copying a lot. Um, yeah. But he, he, he was a big inspiration. Um, Stranger Things was a big inspiration, just like um, filmmaking wise, the cinematography wise of that, like eighties inspired type stuff. But I would just like watch the stories of the Duffer brothers who created that and kind of their journey through filmmaking and like their like tools and like advice they give and like interviews I watch with them translate very well to like the filmmaking world at any aspect from like commercial to movie making, like they basically have like grinded it out for like years just to get to this point. And they just like, do not stop working and just love the process and love like watching videos and stuff like that. So majorly like Casey and like stranger things and the Duffer brothers directors, I've learned so much from both in just like actual video work, but like how we tackle 
growing and learning throughout this whole process. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Like loving the process is so much more important than maybe like even loving the final product because mm -hmm. like that process is, you know, a couple weeks or a month or even just a week of shooting. And you it can be so easy if you don't love that process, that is gonna be the longest week or month of your life. But if you like are enjoying that process all the time or like you're um enjoying you're finding new ways to join or like trying new things. Like I'm trying mm -hmm. to get that shot and you're like really motivated on like doing this one or, or whatever you're doing. Like that is so much more fun. And then you can, the editing studio. And even if the final product is like a nine out of 10, but the process was a 10 out of 10, like that project is still going to be like so much fun. Yeah. Uh, so you really have to enjoy that process and be in love with it, especially as a creator, because it's such a grind to like find clients, especially in the beginning. Oh uh, yeah. For sure. And it's like, you gotta, I know some people that are like, they get burnt out during the editing process or something. Yep. Like you have to love every aspect of it. Um, if you're not going into like a bigger production where you have a crew of people and you can either be an editor or like be a PA and, and, or be different aspects on like an actual set. If you're doing it yourself, you have to really love every aspect because you will get burnt out, especially in the editing room and like yeah. just like it's it's hard to edit a video or like have that full thing come to fruition so like you gotta love it or else like yeah. it's gonna drain you man it's oh, tough yeah. i have a i have a friend who like he's about to graduate at purdue and he did he did crazy amazing videos he did real estate he did weddings he did mm -hmm. like promos for like sororities and stuff like this like he's done all this type of content amazing work i like looked up to him a lot and like I, he was, I was talking to him one day and I wanted to have him on the podcast because he like just does amazing stuff. And he's like, I'm so burnt out. Like, I'm just looking for an editing job because like it's, it is so easy if you're a one man band. And like, even if you do hire out some crew for different jobs, like if you're, you know, directing, producing, shooting, editing, color grading, uh, flying the drone, all of this stuff, like it, and especially like if you do all that on set. And then you get back to the table and you're like, I still have to grind out this edit. And yeah. the edit is taking eight hours. Like that's, a, it's just, so you really do have to love the process. And even if, if you don't love the process, like find what you do love and then maybe outsource the other stuff or like find a way to do as much of what you love as possible and like yeah. limit what you don't, because that's the best way to not burn out is to figure out how to manage your time the best here doing what you love as most. And sometimes you just do have to grind and it kind of sucks, but if yeah. you can, do what the best the parts you love the most it's going to help a lot yeah and like with anything you have to grind for sure and like yeah. do it has to be a little uncomfortable when you're like growing and learning mm -hmm. through all this process but that that's like the big thing that i tell people sometimes that want to get into video sometimes you i'm like you don't have to be a one-man band for yeah. a lot of things you can be and it's very easy to like especially in the world now to do everything yourself edit everything yourself produce it all yourself kind of be all by yourself but you don't have to do that if you don't want to yeah. there's uh, there's other avenues and things that like it's definitely not for everybody so don't feel pressured to like jump into that world alone yeah. when you could like you could learn stuff alone but then like maybe create your own path and start jumping into an editing job or mm -hmm. just a filming job and pass it yeah. off definitely i've been talking to a couple people about just like hopping on as like second or third cam on their projects and like mm -hmm. that would just because like a i want to build my reel and like yeah you know, keep, keep building my reel and that's a really great way to do that but also like all you're doing is shooting and if you really love shooting like that's a, like hop on his third cam bring mm -hmm. you know, bring your camera or even like 
you know, if you have a friend that's going to do this great project, maybe it's like a, a big project with a cool company or whatever, or like an athlete. And you're like, Hey, like, I just want to get experience. I want to get exposure. Yeah. Like I'll be your fourth cam, like just for this day, and this shoot, yeah. like it's a great way to a, you're not going to burn out as much because all you're doing is shooting and you're going to learn a lot. You're going to get stuff for your reel. And then you just hand off the the video and you know, that's it you're done mm-hmm. i don't i don't maybe like you may have some input in the edit but like you're basically done in that situation so that's another way is you don't always have to create everything like all of your projects be like the director producer editor drone pilot like you don't do everything you can be second third cam assistant director whatever on other projects and that can be part of your work and part of your company what you do and your job like you're offering yeah yeah you don't need to do it all 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 in one and that's the thing is like uh it it's it helps if you can do it all in one like you definitely yeah. will be able to pull in more clients uh, be able to work um more and efficiently with everything um that's why i kind of like still do all in one because i mm-hmm. i like to have that aspect of it and i honestly don't get burnt out that much with it unless i have yeah. a lot of things logged down but like it's definitely not like the only thing you have to do or like the one yeah. thing you have to do. If you want to do it for a little bit, that's great. But like, if you end up wanting to just kind of do one aspect, there's many people that I know that like just work on a set or work on with a crew of people. And like, that's a great yeah. job to have. Like, would you, you'd yeah. rather do that than like just jump into uh, another boring job where you're sitting behind a computer. You'd rather just have a, a single like camera op job. Like that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's so many different ways to to do it. And like, even if you go that route, maybe you do take on like five clients that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like you maybe you have an a friend that's an artist and you see them growing. Like maybe you're their videographer, but the, like you have that one, like you're really passionate about that one job that could help uh, you kind of keep the projects to be ones that you really enjoy. And then you just kind of build your business that way. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Everybody just kind of has to grind mm-hmm. it out and figure out what works for them. Um, but now I kind of want to transition to your kind of, the project that I noticed the most on your site and I was asking Matt about is uh, you went on tour with a certain artists um, and t- talk about who that was and how that opportunity came about. Yeah. So I, I was able to go on tour with Ben Rector. Um, it was kind of a dream I had in college. Uh, I saw that he didn't really have a set videographer that he was um, that was going out on tour with them or like creating some of that uh, run and gun type videos for him. So I like reached out on Twitter and was like, Hey, would I made a funny video? And I was like, I would love to come on tour. Like, you don't need to pay me. You can just like, I can drive behind your bus basically (laughs) to get out on tour. And he was like kind enough to be like, yeah, like come on out. And like gave me the opportunity to come out for a couple shows, one here in Indy and like another one right after that, where I like, I was, I would like drive my car up the night of, or, the morning of and like start filming all of that type of stuff um but yeah the first time he took me on a tour it was like two times i went out with him and like just created some little content there and then i didn't really hear back from him his like first leg of the tour ended in like december this is like back in october and then i like put together what i thought like would promote the tour the best and like sent it over to him didn't hear back for a while and then like i just got a like text from him one day that was like hey this is sick we're gonna announce like the second part of the tour with it and i was like oh awesome sweet and he's like yeah let like would you want to come out on more legs of the tour and like more shows and i'm like sweet so then i got to like 
for his part two of the tour is like go out on like West coast side. And I was out there for like two weeks, like actually living in the bus with him and stuff like that. And like shooting a bunch of different content. But yeah, that came about all from just like basically me reaching out on a tweet kind of blindly and just hoping that he would like give me the chance, but kind of putting it all out there where I was like, you don't have to do any work. Just like, let me be there. And like, I will Mm -hmm. do all the work for you. No cost to you. Everything's like on me right now. Like, let me prove myself basically to you there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that, that's a really good way to get clients is like, just let me be there. Just let me like do my thing. And so did you have any concert experience before that? Like, had you shot any smaller shows or was that like, you were just like, I like this artist. He doesn't have, there's an opportunity here. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. I was like, I was basically just like, I'm just going to go for it. I kind of knew his vibe and like loved his music. So I was like, I, I kind of know how I can adapt to that like tour, but I had, I had zero like filming anything musical before. Like I was not inclined to like filming a tour, like even knowing how that worked. I was just watching YouTube videos of like tour documentaries that people would put up and like different aspects of that, that I would just watch and watch and watch. I would watch like John Bellion making of videos of him, like making his album. And like, I would try to take that aspects and like transition it to there. So like, I was, I was kind of going in blind, but also like, I was doing a bunch of research before on like different things I need to capture, how to do etiquette on stage and like things like that before I was actually like showing up to the first show that I filmed with him. So I wasn't going in totally blind, but uh, really didn't have any musical experience or like really any portfolio experience to show him. That's why I was basically just like, let me come to one show and show you what I can do because I had nothing to like give him besides like a funny little video that I would make in college or something. Yeah, for sure. And that's like some of of the hardest things when you're first starting out is like that kind of vicious cycle of, I don't have any portfolio experience, but to get a job, I need a portfolio, but Mm -hmm. to get a portfolio, I need a job and you just kind of go back and forth. So like, that's i know we've talked about this like the past you know five or six episodes is like free work and like the like it can be kind of controversial like do i take free work do i not take free work because your time is your money and like yeah you should get paid for your work but um how are you looking at like that idea of like i'm just gonna go there for free was it like did you have this mindset of like i'm gonna do a couple shows for free and then say like hey maybe 200 bucks a show or whatever or were you just like I'm just going to do this. And if he offers pay, it's great. Like, how are you thinking about like the free work idea? Yeah. Yeah. The free work is, is kind of an, it depends on where you're at in life. I would say when it comes to free work for me, I was in college at the time and I was really, like I said before, I was dedicating all my time to doing weddings and doing that type of stuff. So I knew that if I can have like my financially like financial side covered with the weddings, then I could do other fun projects that could lead to other things in the future. So like when I was doing this free work type of stuff for him, it was basically like, because I had my financials covered with my weddings that I was doing beforehand. So that aspect when it comes to it is, is very iffy. And it, it depends on each person because there's, there's a point where you give out too, too much free work and then it's hurting you because you're not getting people expect that from you in the future. But this was like one project that I decided I'm going to do free work for um, to prove myself to them 
and then and then like even the second leg of the tour, I was getting um, paid to go out with him then. So I was getting paid after I did kind of the free shows for him. Um, still not like a lot of payment, but like at least it was something that I was getting, you know, yeah. and they like respected that after I was like proved myself and showed my work. But yeah, really it was like that year where I was like, okay, the the free job I can give out will be this if I am lucky enough to even get it. And so then I like put all my eggs in a basket to be like, I, I can afford to do this at this time. And like, it has paid dividends because people have seen that work that I've done with them and not necessarily, I'm not doing the same work for certain companies or businesses, but companies or businesses see that I've done work for him and they're like, Oh, we love his music. And so they hire me for yeah. a job for that. So like it has worked out in the long run, but when you're talking about free work with a lot of people, it really depends on where you're at and in one life. Like, are you just jumping into college? Are you in high school still? Are you like out of college? Because then it starts to kind of um, get a little different once you like are out of college and you're kind of making a living off of this stuff. Like yeah. you don't want to do too much free work, but you also want to kind of have a plan in place. And I think if you have a plan in place that you can see a future with like, whatever project you're doing for free work, then go for it. Like, why not? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's important to, yeah, have a plan and like make, mm -hmm. make sure that those, those free jobs, I think it, I think it is almost important to be a little picky with those free jobs and like pick oh, the ones sure. that are going to have a good return. So like, it's not just like, Hey, my, you know, friend has a, boat and he's trying to be a i don't know a fisher or whatever can you go film him like like does those little like things i don't know that's the most random example i could have think no, of, but yeah. like just the like <laughs> the fisherman like, my, yeah like my friend has this can you go film him he has this small little like shop yeah like it like if you can get a like hey i'm gonna go i'll go shoot a commercial for you know a big like there's a there's a lot of like outdoor like lawnmower and like tractor kind of companies mm -hmm. where i live and so like you know if you walk into like Greenmark is a is a yeah like john deere tractors and stuff you walk in the green market say like hey i'll shoot you a free promo like that is a really good like free job because it's a good brand name you're gonna have quality stuff because the product is quality and then then you can kind of go from there so i, I think it's important to be, kind of be selective with your free work and target names and brands that can give you kind of a good return on that time that you're spending doing that work yeah and a lot of that like also comes through like doing even for like charity organizations or stuff like that. When you're like dedicating free work, you can make great like narrative pieces and like commercial work for charity organizations that um, one, you would kind of like give it to them for free anyway, if you were a business. And so like starting out with that, that also kind of could paint a picture for you as a business. Like you're doing work for these charitable organizations that, is free work, but it doesn't necessarily look like free work to new clients coming in that you're kind of oh, yeah. giving yourself out to. It. So like, that's a way to also do and get a lot of like work and like also help out the like community that you're, that you're living in is, is doing like that type of stuff. But yeah, free work is definitely, it's, it's a hard thing to navigate, especially if like you're doing free work where it might not even be free. You might be paying to do the work. <laughs> For some people yep. at some points i know even when i was like on tour out with ben first like i was paying for gas to drive up to the shows i was doing for free i was paying for like other stuff that maybe i like rented or something for that show like 
it's not always free work too. Sometimes you're, you're paying yourself to, to create something for someone else. Yeah. I remember the first two real estate videos I did was one was like halfway from Lafayette to Indy. And yeah. The other one was like fully in Indy, like just a couple, like, you know, a five minute drive from downtown. And mm-hmm. so like that, that is not just that's gas, but it's also my time because Indy is like an hour, hour and a half drive oh, from yeah. Lafayette. So like, that's an afternoon and like, you know, you're balancing classes and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, you're, you might have to, you might be paying for a little bit, but it's, it is important to get those good jobs and also charities or, or charities and nonprofits is a really good way to go because not only are you doing something like a really great cause, yeah. like for me, like I, I'm really passionate about Riley hospital for children. Cause I did dance marathon in college. And yeah. so like, that was something that would be so like, that would be a type of organization. I'd be really been like, I would intend to like go get do like free work for them because I'm really mm-hmm. passionate about their cause. But like you're so you're doing great work, but also like they have really great stories, a lot of them. And that could really help you learn how to tell a story and how to like kind of design a narrative in your story. So like yeah. I have a friend, um, he there's a um a couple of families from Riley that we they did stories for, like story videos, like mm-hmm. testimonial testimonial videos last year for dance marathon and like i he already does amazing work so i knew it was gonna be great but like it blew me away how great it was because he like really crafted that narrative and kind of like shot it like kind of documentary style and told the story really well so those kind of jobs especially if you're focusing on people that have benefited from the nonprofit, are a really great way to um get great stories to tell and practice kind of shaping a narrative in that way and do some storytelling because really when you're creating anything no matter what it is, whether it's a commercial for a tractor company or it's a story about a patient at a hospital, like you're, you're telling a story no matter what. So you, yeah. learning how to tell a story is super important when you're going into this, this type of industry. Yeah. And like some of those even charity organizations, they do have great stories in them. And yeah. they're like sometimes better than what you would film out in the commercial world because mm-hmm. they have like authentic people that are working there and can like tell the story of, of the different types of things that are going on in their organization. Absolutely. You're not just, you're not trying to like generate passion. Like you already have people that yeah. are passionate about the organization. Whereas if you're doing a corporate thing, like maybe the person on the on screen isn't super passionate about the company mm-hmm. they work for, but they are really great on camera. So like it just, it, it is nice to have a lot of things going for you and you do charity work. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So do you have any, I, I kind of want to ask more about the Ben Rector tour. Do you have any yeah, like, fun sure. stories or fun like moments on, uh, on the tour that you can share that were like, good, kind yeah. of, yeah, do you just remember? Yeah, there's like, there's a few. The first one, like video wise, I was, um, I remember like I showed up at the first show and I was like meeting him down in like the green room before the show. And I like met him and then we were doing like rehearsals upstairs. And so like I grabbed my camera and this is like in 2018. So like gimbals are fairly new in that mm-hmm. sense. And I had been working with like a glide cam my whole life, kind of going through high school and college. And I had just got a gimbal because I was like, that's the thing to do right now. And I remember like putting my camera on the gimbal, going upstairs and Ben was like throwing Frisbees into like the crowd and, or not the crowd, but like empty uh, venue during rehearsals. And he was like asking me to get it on video and I was trying to get it on video, but like I couldn't focus with on the gimbal, like at the same time, because it was just messing the gimbal up. And I was like, so frustrated. Like I'm just screwing up the very first shot that he has asked me to get. Like this is the first thing I was recording. 
And then I like took a deep breath. I just went back downstairs. I put my camera back on the glide cam. And then I was like easily able to focus, do everything I needed in that moment. So that was like a mistake that could have happened immediately. But I like took a breath and I was like, just use what you're like, what you've, you're used to and that you know that works. Don't use what you just like think people wanted you to use or stuff like that. But that yeah. was one thing that happened. Um, but um, it was just like the whole experience was kind of wild. Like you sleep in a bunk. That's like a coffin basically when you're in the, when you're in the um, like tour bus, like you're like, like inches away from the ceiling when you're falling asleep. It's barely fitting your body when you're going in. You're sleeping like feet first in the bus so that if the bus were to crash, you're not going head first into the wall. Like there's all these little nuances that I was learning as I was out on tour. And like, it feels like Ben would always say this, but it feels like a summer camp when you're with everybody too, because it's like, you're just in your group of people on this bus sleeping in bunks together. Like it's your cabin. And then you just go play shows for people that night. But um, yeah, a few other things. I know Ben fell pretty hard during one show and I was recording him on the steps and it was on a balcony and he was walking down and he slips and falls and like nails the railing where he almost like tumbled over and went down into there. So that was a crazy experience because like I got to see the behind the scenes of like to the people in the audience, everything seemed fine. But to like us that like could hear everything going on in the background, like we were like his in-ear mic pack was all dumped in like a, a beer that a person was sitting next to him that he when he fell. Oh, like no. we were having to replace that, then was like super bruised on his like hip um during that show. And then he just came out and like sang the rest of it like it was completely fine. So like little behind the scenes moments like that were like fun to be like when I was actually being able to see it happen behind the scenes. And it was yeah. just fun to see how people like react to like, it changed my view. I'm like going to a concert and I'm like, these people have like driven 12 hours to get here on a bus and now they're performing for us. Like, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a whole wild experience. Yeah. You gain a lot more respect for the people once you're behind the scenes and you like, Oh them, yeah. Cause they make it look so easy on stage. That's their job. But like you're yeah. seeing everything that went wrong right before it, like all the, this plug didn't work and this mic yeah. didn't work and you know my in-ear is not working so it, it, you definitely learn a lot on that stage one thing i also wanted to ask you about is you talked about stage etiquette and like concert etiquette yeah what were some of the things that you like learned about because i wouldn't even think about that like what were some of the things you learned about like how to be a videographer on the stage um, yeah in that scenario yeah, some of the hard things were like when to go out on the stage and when to stay off the stage. Because if you're where the crowd is, you're kind of shooting at an angle up at the artist always. And it's not the best shot, but like sometimes that's all you that's all you can get. And so really it was like I was just honest with Ben, like at first being like, hey, when do you want me to come out on the stage? When would it be like okay to? And he had like a projector that would shoot up in the back. And so like at a certain point I couldn't walk on the stage or else like my shadow would be projected on the wall. And I like, I think I slipped up a couple times where like my full body is like being projected on the wall as I'm like running across the stage, but that different types of etiquette, it's like, um, super, super dark back there. So you have to be aware of like where you're at. Cause you could trip on a wire. You could trip on something if you're not like being aware of actually like what you're doing, but yeah, the different etiquette was just like, 
these people paid to watch the show. They didn't pay me to like film him on stage, but there's certain moments when it doesn't matter. And then I'm like able to go out on stage and, and film a nice shot, especially during like encores or things like that. Um, people are fun, but yeah, it was like choosing the right spot to be and like choosing what song to be where at was like another like hard part of the whole thing of filming. Like you wanted to film him singing, but then you also wanted to film this other moment, but you had to like yeah. basically have a game plan going into it with the set list of like where you wanted to be at what time. And like, sometimes something could happen in the crowd. Like someone would get engaged and like, you would be like, Oh man, I'm backstage right now. I can't go out and film that. Like you're just in the wrong time at the wrong moment. And mm -hmm. yeah, I was just trying to be everywhere at once, but which is hard sometimes, but that was a, yeah. a little bit of the stage etiquette that I was just trying to like be as like best as I could and mm -hmm. like being such an amateur into it. Yeah. Were there certain songs where he was like, this song is like really important to me or this song means a lot, like do not go on stage in this song or like, was it kind of like, Hey, this song is going to be really high energy. Like this would be great for the shot. Like how was he thinking about that? And like, how did you like receive that communication and manage with that? Yeah. So like going into filming, I had never met Ben before, but when I met him on there, I, my expectation was he was just kind of going to be like, well, here's some higher energy, energy songs. And like, you can probably come like over here and film this or film that or stay away during this song. But he is incredibly creative in every aspect, more than probably people even know, like how much his hands are on each aspect of his like career and creatively through like videos or any like promotional stuff. Like his mind thinks like so fantastically on like every little part of of it so like when i went down there for the first time he was like helping me out of what shots to get during what spots what spots might be high energy what spots like maybe just to stay off stage because there's going to be a projector on the screen and it won't really be that cool and like some of the things he was wanting to get like he was wanting to get the feel of the crowd and like sometimes photos can't show this aspect so he's like maybe if you want to try to get the feel of this and he was like, he would leave it up to me to, to kind of decipher what that feel would be. But he was incredibly helpful. He like for like 20 minutes would walk through the set list with me the first time, point out where I should be, um, like describe what is happening. And like every one of his shows are, are super creative. So <clears throat> he like, it's like such a fun experience to be there as like just an audience member. So like he knows that and like knows where each part and sector of the of the show would go and he's like very involved in it. So like that was huge just like going in and being fresh is like him teaching that. And throughout like even the projects I've worked with him after the tour on certain things like it's shown one like more and more again Ben has helped me in like the edit for something where he's like switched this shot with this one and like things that I didn't expect going into this. I thought he would just kind of be like, Oh, it looks good. Like, let's put it out. But he was like, he's creatively helping me in like fantastic ways and very helpful ways that I'm like, wow, I'm, we're making a better product together because he's so collaborative yeah. and like, not just collaborative where he's just giving tips. Like he's giving great tips. He's giving like great advice that I'm like, wow, that makes it better for sure. Like how his mind works, just not musically is, it's kind of incredible. 
Yeah, I love seeing I love seeing the behind the scenes of artists and like especially when they're either editing the songs or editing their yeah. music videos or whatever. Like what the one that comes to mind is Billie Eilish. I was watching I think it was like an Adobe promo or Adobe commercial, but she was yeah. showing like she was doing a a music video for one of her songs and she's like, Let's cut to that camera. Like it was a multi cam kind of setting. And she's like, Let's cut to that cam on, on this word or like let's switch to that cam. So like and another one another one that comes to mind is I was listening to an interview. It was a it was a podcast, another podcast, and they were talking about how at the end of the new Top Gun movie, it was either Top Gun or Mission Impossible, and like uh, Tom Cruise, they were watching the movie, and it like the ending wasn't doing well with like test test uh, like audiences as they showed the movie. Oh yeah, and I think I've heard Tom, this too. Tom yeah, Cruise, he wa- he walked into the the i think it was the song at the end he like walked into the edit bay and he just hummed something yeah and he was like he like hummed whatever and then they made the music out of that and then that like made the made the edit it finished the movie i think it was the new top gun movie yeah and so like i love hearing those stories about like ben and like billy and tom and like all these people i'm saying it like i know them first name <laughs> basis but like all these people like how creative they are and how their minds work and john bellion you mentioned is another one that comes to mind like he, yeah probably one of the most creative people that i've ever like heard about like just the way his mind thinks and, like all these artists you think that they're just like on stage and they do their performance and they mm-hmm. do their like media segments and whatever but they're like when they're creating those songs they are the most creative people in the world like yeah it, it's crazy how creative they are and how their mind works they have it they have it all down and that's what like even the john bellion stuff like i remember when i was about to leave to go film ben's like first show on the tour i was like watching like john belly and just like making up videos of him just making it like it was not really what i was going to be filming but in the aspect it was just like inspiring for like that type of stuff but yeah the the creative aspect obviously there's people that just care about one aspect of their career but when you have somebody that cares that much about the whole process like 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 ben's just a true artist he's someone that like creatively is just like smart and like you can get inspiration from a lot of places and knows where to pull it from. Absolutely. I love that. So going into the last 15 minutes, um, I want to talk about a couple more things. So your, your business, your business, you obviously are doing, you're still doing some weddings, correct? Um, not anymore. Not no anymore weddings okay. now. Yeah. Oh, you just, just, yeah. I remember you did say you're transitioning out of weddings. Yeah. Um, and then, but you're doing a lot of like company and like corporate videos yeah. and commercials and stuff like that. So talk about kind of where your business is at now and how you're thinking about growth in that business and like what kind of strategies you're thinking about uh, for the future with your your business. Yeah. So right now I'm kind of, um, I have a few clients that are kind of returning clients that I, that I work with a lot nowadays. And since I transitioned kind of out of weddings and or fully into this um, kind of business and commercial work that I've done now is I've gotten a lot from word of mouth. A lot have come from like previous work that I've done in the past, even some wedding work of people that saw me or, or saw my work. And then they were like, I think you could probably do that for my business. A lot of that has come from, from that type of stuff and just like creating relationships with different filmmakers, um, kind of around the state and like close by in the Midwest. But, um, the work I have now has come from that. I haven't done too much marketing on my end um, besides putting up portfolio pieces of my work online. But this year I'm really kind of looking more into now that I have a solid base of 
kind of showing what my commercial work looks like and how I can like benefit people is really kind of pushing marketing in certain ways of both kind of just still posting stuff on like my socials and on my website that show the different aspects of that, but kind of jumping in even maybe into LinkedIn a little bit more and little aspects of that, not too much too heavy into the marketing in those aspects. I don't want to kind of just like overly advertise everywhere because um, I feel like kind of that can get drained out in the world or you can get bogged down with too much work then of work maybe you don't want to do. And so maybe just like tapping my foot and like dipping my foot into like that type of marketing, just where I'm kind of reversing the roles of where our business is looking for me. Like if I was a business, would I just go online and Google? Would I go on, on LinkedIn and Google it and search it on there? Like, where am I going to be finding these clients and stuff? And so I just kind of want to make myself more accessible and like easy to find basically yeah. and going into the 2023 year. It's like, where can people find me the best and where can it be easiest for them to find me? And not necessarily where I'm like just pushing advertising and marketing to other people. I want like the people that are like looking for and need um, something done, whether it be in a quick manner or whether it be in like, they just need a quality work done. I want kind of my name to be one of the options out there. And I know right now it, it probably isn't one of the options because I don't have any marketing out there that I've pushed too much since it's all been word of mouth right now. But that's yeah. what I hope to do kind of this year, especially is, is just be accessible to people and just be in kind of on their mind when they're thinking about uh, video work and photo work. Definitely. Yeah. So when you're, when you're trying to figure out like where your clients are and where they're going to find you, is that like a conversation you're having with your current clients or is that kind of, you're just kind of not guessing, but like learning like, Oh, like my, my clients are B2B clients. So they're going to be on LinkedIn. That's where I should be. Like, how are you figuring out where you should be? Yeah. It's, it's mainly talking to people kind of just friends and family that like, um, maybe not necessarily i would kind of ask them like hey if your boss told you that you need a video done and you need to find it where would you look basically mm -hmm. and that type of thing and a lot of them are like googling just doing google search a lot of them are like well maybe linkedin would pop up and then i'm just kind of like looking on linkedin and seeing the feeds and even though i'm not really on linkedin that much now but i'm seeing like the feeds and just like oh if you were posting a lot on there and on people's mind, that might be where uh, people would then find you. And so it's talking to like friends and family. I don't necessarily ask my clients because a lot of them sometimes are B2B and, and that type of stuff. So they aren't looking um, too hard. It's mainly like they have their person and they use their company that they want to use. But that's kind of the aspects that I'm, I'm searching for now and like talking to people that I know that are like in companies that don't need videos right now. But like where would their mind go first? Cause I know that's might be happening in some companies around here. Yeah, for sure. So closing out, I want to, before we get to the action items um, at the end, I want to talk about your gear. I always love yeah. talking gear with all the, the people oh, that yeah. I bring on. So um, kind of just talk about what you run usually um, for your clients and stuff like that. Yeah. So right now, or kind of in the past uh, year or two now, I've been using the Sony FX3 now and so that's my main camera i run with um i also have a b camera that's also my photo of the like sony a7 5 um 
that's my photo and kind of B camera for interviews and things like that, that I'm using now. Um, but really I'm rocking like the Sony 24 to 70 2.8 on that. A lot of the time I have a couple other lenses that are just like a 70 to 200 or a 50, um, like 1.8 when I sometimes need to get, uh, some focus shots for interviews. But a lot of the time I'm just running the 24 to 70. I feel like that works a lot. I'm, I kind of throw all of that together on my Ronin S right now. That's like, it's, it's maxing out a little bit on the weight side of things. Like yeah. it still can hold it, but, um, it's definitely like hitting its max. And I know it's not even at its max, like capacity of what the Ronin can hold, but like just keeping balancing and be able to zoom in a little bit. That's what I'm kind of running on whenever I'm doing like any movement shot. For anybody yeah. now, I don't really use a glide cam anymore. It's mainly just running on like the Ronin S um, mm -hmm. type stuff. But yeah, that's kind of like my setup that I have camera wise right now that I have to mm -hmm. like use for every project. Yeah, definitely. That that twenty four to seventy is a hefty lens. I uh, I borrowed one for a project yeah. and it's heavy. It's it's, it's yeah. heavier than like the Tamron or like Sigma yeah. or anything else. It's like it's just adds so much weight. And the reason I got it was because I was doing stuff for Ben and like, yeah, when I do tour stuff and things like that with him, I like to still use my glide cam because it's just easier to whip around and things like that. And I needed more weight. So it just better balanced. So it's like yeah. give and take, I wanted more weight, but now the weight's on my Ronin S and it's really heavy for it. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a beefy lens it's there's there's definitely if if you need to get one get a lighter one out there because you don't need yeah. that one per se yeah i uh i was always in the mindset of like i have a sony camera i'm buying sony lenses yeah and that's it but I, i've i've talked to some other people and they're like sigma i go sigma all the way like all yeah. the lenses are sigma so I, I don't think and i've seen a lot of people like tamron and rokinon and all these other brands like i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to not get the brand name lens no but and you, you get a lighter <laughs> yeah, you get a lighter option and it's yeah. like sony probably is better glass in certain aspects but it's so minute right now and if you're yeah. good at color grading or you're good at like um doing other things in the edit like that's little minute things that don't really matter at this point it's and, really personal preference yeah it's uh, really personal preference and and just what look you're going for basically yeah definitely so closing on the podcast, I like to do this, all of my guests, um, action items, just things that they can, you know, bring to their business, things that you maybe have learned that they can do to kind of grow their business, benefit their business. Um, so what type of action items do you have for the listeners? Yeah, I would say one of the action items would be to kind of dive into uh, pre-production more and kind of streamline that process a little bit better. I think when you're talking to clients, they want kind of a smooth process and kind of know what's happening and know what they're getting their sums of too. And so that's some of the mistakes I've made, um, kind of just in college and stuff and talking to businesses is not having a pre-production process of like the next steps or what do we need to do to get this video made and like laying that all out for them and having a process where you go through like planning and then like pre-planning and storyboarding out. And having all of that in a like streamlined process for them is really going to help you like retain more clients because they will want to come back to you because they know, okay, when we have to start a new project, it's going to be easy with this company because they kind of helped us develop this product before. 
So it's not going to be a headache because the last thing they want is another headache for something they're paying for you to do. Absolutely. The one the one theme that I've seen you coming back to over and over again, whether it be your weddings or Ben Rector, working with Ben Rector or just client work in general, is you're trying to make it as low lift for the client as possible. Yeah. You're trying to make that process like as easy to find you, to work with you, pre-production, post-production, whatever. Like you want that process for the client to be as easy as possible. And did you like was that kind of a mindset you had to like form over the years or is that kind of always how you thought about the the film work that you do? Yeah, it's definitely a process I've like formed over the years of just like when talking with clients, either when I back in younger days when I was in high school or college still, it's like forming that process where you, you one want it to be easy for them, but also like you need it to be quality work when it comes out in the end product. And I think a lot of the time over the past like few years or something, a lot of people maybe just focus on the quality work. Like they want the end end product to be really good. And so during that, you don't really put maybe too much thought into the pre-production, even though the pre-production and making it easy for them is going to make the shoot easier, which is going to make the final product look better. And so it was kind of just reversing that process in the past few years of just like, uh, what can I do to make it easier now that I kind of know how I want the end product to be for people. And the, I mean, the quality comes into it. That's another thing is like you, for advice for people, you got to put in the work of like staying up with the times and like learning new things, learning how you can be more efficient because you don't always need new gear, but sometimes new techniques and new gear come out that like take away some of the harder aspects of filming and filmmaking. So you could have a certain piece of gear that gets rid of three other pieces of gear that you don't need anymore. And so like just being adamant about learning constantly and putting in the work yeah. will help you out too for sure definitely um for the for the pre-production process were there any like questions that you started to ask your clients or like topics that you covered that maybe you didn't in the past that you feel like now like really like kind of refine that pre-production process to make it very easy for the client yeah and it in that process one of the things that i was was big was kind of making sure you're on the same page. And that doesn't necessarily mean when they say like, oh, we want this type of video. And they say that word, like we want a narrative type of video. They might have a different idea of what a narrative is or what that type of video. So really, I would say the big thing is double checking and being like, hey, send them an example. Is this what you're looking for? Or is it this? And then once they see it in front of them, they can like basically choose. So that's one question I've started to ask clients a lot is giving them options to pick from instead of just like, hopefully them saying, oh, we want a scripted piece. And then you get there and they're just like interviewing people and you're like, this isn't really scripted. And, but then I was like, oh, that's, I should put that on me. That's my fault for not um, making sure we were both clear because they shouldn't have to know all of the filmmaking terms. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, laying out and giving them options and just double checking with them of like, is this what you really want to have? Or giving them advice of like, maybe this is what you want to have. And so, yeah, gaining control over that and kind of like leading and guiding them through is the biggest thing because sometimes it's a, you're in muddy water and it's hard to distinguish with, what you want to best promote your business. So like having that and double checking really helps out with that Definitely. process. 
I think another thing that I've found kind of over the years is when a, when a client comes to you and they say like, okay, we're going to shoot this project. We want it to be three minutes. And yeah. I don't think they really understand. And this isn't on them at all. Like, like you said, it's more on you than it's on yeah. them. Like three minutes of footage and three minutes of a project is a really long project sometimes. Yeah. Like you, cause you do a shot and you're maybe pulling out three seconds from that shot for that yeah. whole thing. And like, that's, three seconds out of 180 that you have to like form out so i i found i just literally just had this this morning i was i'm just doing like a little event video for a group i'm a part of uh-huh. and they're like oh maybe like three to five minutes and i was like "Ooh, that that's a minute and a half video for sure like yeah let's let's keep it to a minute and a half i think that'll make everybody on the, that are on the same page it'll help me a ton because i'm not trying to just pull three minutes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and like make it really low quality like taking like a shot that should be three seconds to 10 seconds or whatever like yeah so i think it's important to educate your clients in a way like if they want a three minute video and they're adamant like you're gonna make a three minute video yeah, work in absolutely. some cases but but it, and maybe the three minute one is great but if if you see an opportunity to like go to a client and say like that video could be really good at a minute and a half mm-hmm. and like here's my idea for it i think it's really important to kind of educate it because it's not only making the final product better it's also making the workload on you a lot easier and a lot less stressful yeah um for that whole process yeah and it's just getting like you're wanting a better final product for them and yeah it's like making the workload easier but like sometimes it's just like making it easier on them of like you don't have to like have this much or one pay this much if you don't need to you know it's like i wouldn't i would rather have you have a better better product than like pay me more day rates to go out and film something that could be maybe done in a different way. And we could focus on another video, you know, mm-hmm. it's like guiding your client from that, where it's like, maybe you're not taking away a project. Maybe you're like, Hey, let's save this for a next video and let's cut this one down. And that's the, that's the biggest thing is just setting expectations 100%. and like, and collaborating with them. Cause it's, it's one to set expectations, but it's two, it's like you want to collaborate with them so that you can help them. And they they need that too. Like if I was looking for a video or some other like product that I need, I would love for like the person that's making it to give me advice and tell me what they actually feel and think because they've like done the thing before. A hundred percent. I I've made that mistake in the past where like I'll go into a thing and I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna deliver you like two minute long videos and two in a minute in a three minute video without like talking to them at all or like without having done this type of project before. Yeah. And then the worst part, it's it's way worse to have to go back to the client and say like, hey, I know I said three minutes, but I only have a minute and a half of footage. Yeah. So you're getting a minute and a half video. Like, don't mm-hmm. do that. If you can avoid it, do not go back to the client and say like, hey, I messed up. Like, re- that, that's why that pre-production process is so important. And like, I have a call tomorrow and I've been learning so much about that pre-production process recently yeah. of like, like I'm going to ask them a ton of questions because like we're, we're figuring out everything. We're figuring out what I'm delivering rates and all this kind of stuff, what they want to buy gear wise. Cause like we're building out a full studio in their office. So they're gotcha. Yeah. So like that pre-production process, whether it's you're bringing all the gear, they're buying the gear, you're setting up the scene. They already have something set up. Like everything is so important. Ask way more questions than not enough because oh, yeah. you need to set expectations. You need to be on the same page. And you need to make sure you're delivering exactly what you want. And that's the first conversation because go, you almost lost the client. If you have to go back and like, kind of say like, Hey, 
no, I said this, but we're actually going to get this. And it's yeah. Because or start asking more questions and they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really need to be on your on your ball, especially if it's the first time you're meeting this client, because you really have like that one chance to prove yourself. And yeah, and, and nobody's just, expecting you to be perfect, but like if you can do all the research and and advise yeah. them even more in the beginning, it's gonna be way better for them. Yeah. They're gonna be impressed with you, honestly. Yeah, because the the work kind of we're doing too is like uh, you're you're competing somewhat with production companies and like people that bring out full crews for the type of videos we're yeah. doing. So like, it's kind of bringing a, a smaller crew. Some, most of the time myself to the, to the thing and doing something that usually a bigger crew does. So it's like showing that, Hey, we can get this done. And like, and they'll be like, wow, this is, this is nice that it can all be through your company and we can get it all done at a, at a smaller kind of capacity than maybe they've done yeah. that before. And I think I think a lot of companies more often than not would love to play pay somebody smaller and local than go like yeah. the big big companies, and like the big companies maybe they have capabilities that you don't, and that's just how it is. But like they would much rather go for that guy down the street than, and if the guy down the street can deliver a equal or better product, maybe at even a lower cost than what the big production company, there are a lot of businesses, especially the like smaller local ones that we're working with, they want to hire local almost all the time because that oh, it yeah. looks it is just better in a lot of ways. It looks really good for them. They get to support local businesses and that's something maybe they can like say in their marketing material or whatever. And like, yeah, it just overall is a better experience. So if you can deliver that to your local clients, you're going to be in a really good shape. Yeah. And you want that to be, like you said, the, the you're delivering equal quality or better quality to the client. Cause that's what they want. Like, I'm not going to deliver something that is worse than what you've done before, or like I'm going to deliver something yeah. better than what you've done before and better can mean a, a variety of things, but like one, the quality has to be better, but two, like it doesn't even necessarily have to be a less money for this company, but it can maybe take them less time for them to do it. Like they yeah. can have their time back, which is they're making money with that because then they can have their workers or whatever continue on and like start new projects and something. So it's like, helping them in those little aspects that is like huge and like eventually, like you said, saves them in so many different ways. Yep. Again, it all it really all comes back to, and I think the theme of this whole podcast is like just delivering the highest quality work at the lowest lift for the client. And that's yeah. going to like go, like it's going to go a long ways with that client. Um, yeah, in for the sure. Future and hopefully get you more clients in the, in the, in the future. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. I love yeah. kind of getting the weeds of the concert and everything. So, or the the going on the tour and everything. Yeah. So, before we go, um, where can people find you online um, if they want to look at your work or hire you or anything like that? Yeah, they can go to lukewarmfilmco.com or just type in lukewarmfilmco. Um, kind of plays off my name a little bit there, so it's easy to remember for people. <laughs> But yeah, you can just go on there, contact me, find all socials and everything. And hopefully Perfect. Get Easy enough. Out. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will make sure to link that in the, the description and the show notes. So make sure you check out uh, Luke's work. It's fantastic. Um, like I said, thank you for coming on the podcast. And we will talk to you next time on the Rest of Us podcast. Take care, Luke. Sweet. Thanks, Noah. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rest of Us podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving a rating or review on the podcasting platform of your choice. It really helps me see that you are enjoying the episode and also helps other people see the podcast. 
Also, please consider giving a follow on social media. All the links will be in the show notes down below. Also, in the show notes, there is a link to the rest of us newsletter. This is a, a platform where I'll send out different takeaways from the episode, resources that were mentioned in the episode, and also uh, notifications about new episodes. So make sure you click the link to subscribe there. So episodes are released weekly, and I will see you then on the next episode of the Rest of Us podcast. <laughs>